Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. Thank you for joining John and I. Today, let's talk about maybe some other types of sexuality expressions or practices that we would like to see. Let's talk about matriarchy and patriarchy. We are your self-help and sex and politics podcast out of Portland, Oregon. I don't know why I'm talking like a flight attendant. Hi, I'm L. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, stripper writer or L Stanger. Uh, our Instagram for the podcast is strange bedfellows PDX. Our website is the same. You can find us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. Yes, you have to type it in because they hide it. Uh, John, how's your day? My day is going great. How about yours? Pretty snazzy. Uh, so let's jump right in. We live in a patriarchy. We do. We do. And that word gets thrown around a lot. So I thought we would define it. Uh, what do you have? So for the definition of patriarchy, according to Merriam-Webster, it is a social organization marked by the supremacy of the father in the clan or family, the legal dependence of wives and children, and the reckoning of descent and inheritance in the male line. Broadly, control by men of a disproportionately large share of power. Okay, so some examples like, what does that all mean? That's a lot. So like in our culture, when people get married, it tends to be that the woman changes her name to the man's last name. Yes. And any kids they have receive his last name. I mean, I did that actually even with, uh, well, I've been married twice, <laughs> but I didn't change my last name for either of my marriages. However, when our child was born, um, yes, I was married at the time, but even now I just figured like, sure, she might as well have his last name. It's not worth me fighting over i i don't hate the guy and it's honestly it's a cooler last name than mine so sure <laughs> <laughs> i was like you can keep it um but in like more extreme examples we have the father being the head of the family or in some religions you know the father's word is the closest thing to god so uh you know and we have issues with this <laughs> Uh, so sometimes we like to fantasize, what what would a matriarchy look like? Because we talk about that. So one of the jokes I've made uh, in a matriarchy, it wouldn't be our current situation issue where we have men impregnating women, girls, and then peacing out. 
because if they don't feel inclined to stick around and nurture their genetic offspring, they don't have to. But because the fetuses tend to grow in, well, they always grow in female bodies. They tend to grow in women's or girls. Uh, but so we're naturally stuck with the responsibility of the care, the birthing. And if you're not giving this child up for adoption or whatever, someone else, then you have to raise it. So what I see is a lot of single mothers, more single mothers than single fathers. And that puts an incredible strain on the ability of women to be able to provide for themselves and their children. So what if we flipped it? What if in a matriarchy, it was women who could control their own like breeding, birth control, contraception, and maybe worst case scenario, women are looking around at potential mates for genetic material and fucking them to be like, I want your genetic material, not you. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And then in a matriarchy, because children would be more provided for than everyone would help assume uh, care, I guess. Um, That's not actually, that's not actually what matriarchy is. That is my like, pissed off reaction to the reality that is fantasizing about a revenge alternative. I just assumed that it would be men on chains walking on all fours around and (laughs) the only way that they get food is if they lick your clit. That is also a revenge alternative. Um, (laughs) So we, we started looking into some, some actual matriarchal cultures that do exist uh, or have existed around the world. So this is a really difficult name to say for me. Hyde Gottner Abendroth is the leading world authority on matriarchal societies, having founded the International Academy for Modem Matriarchal Studies and Matriarchal Spirituality in 1986. I'm reading from an article, uh, amuse.vice.com, Sex in Our Strange World is the segment, Why Matriarchy Means Better Sex and a Better Society. So this person of this organization who studied matriarchal cultures, it says, economically, Matriarchal societies do not pass wealth through patrilineal lines. The mothers or the female leaders of the group are responsible for distributing resources amongst the clan. So let's talk about some groups where this exists. The Mosuo tribe live in the Yunnan and Sichuan provinces of southwest China and are often referred to as China's last matrilineal society. So it says that this group this colony of people of women goes back to at least 750 years before Christ BC. And they name that area, the realm of women. So the women can take as many lovers as they wish. They don't marry and they don't have any words in their language for husband or father. So completely flipped lovers don't necessarily have to live together, but the women can invite the men over. I wonder if there's any homosexuality in that culture. Hmm. I wonder what that would look like. I wonder what that would look like. Uh, Breaking up is easier. The woman stops letting her lover come over. There's an initiation rite in which a mother gives her daughter a key to her own dorm so she can have her own lovers over. Goals. (laughs) There's a tribe in Northeast India called the Kasi, and their numbers are about a million people. Kasi means born from a mother, and they've apparently been matriarchal for thousands of years. So property passes from mother to daughter, children take their mother's name, and the married man either live with his own wife in her mother's house, or he will just visit his wife at night to have sex. 
Divorce is really easy. Each party just says they don't want to be married any longer. So these places do exist. There's another one mentioned here in Southeast Brazil where about 300 people and the women run everything. It's been around since 1891. The founder, Maria Senhorina de Lima, was exiled um, from the church for quitting her husband to be with a lover. She was called a whore and an adulteress. So now this community sells vegetables and crafts and they live as a commune. It says they sell vegetables and crafts rather than sex, which, hey, I would be fine with doing. I mean, I still want sex, but... Vegetables, crafts, and sex. (laughs) We have it all. And then there's the Alpine Village in Alabama that was founded in 1997 as a lesbian commune. I wonder if they accept trans women, though. It's Hmm. It says... uh, it began in the 1970s when a group of women founded on a camp in Florida and now Alpine Village has about 108 acres and home to just 17 women. Uh, the writer of this article says they are always keen for more recruits as long as you don't have a Y chromosome, of course. I would be skeptical if they didn't include trans women. Uh, I assume that when they say Y chromosome in the article that that's the ignorance of the uh article writer and not of the commune but maybe we don't know. let's write to them i'm gonna write to them and ask we should ask yeah let's ask them if they accept trans women um i don't know i hear from a couple of trans women friends that they encounter this quite a bit in like women's groups like vaginas only pussy hats yeah pussy hats yeah so who knows but anyway back to, back to matriarchy um so that's cool those things can exist i think um I want to encourage people to create their own relationships and structures in their family. Um, obviously I was going back to other kinds of sex practices in my notes and I had very briefly had a little bit of education on African sexuality or oceanality. Dr. Zaleka Sumitra Hepworth Clark is a person about my age and she's a phd msw lw all kinds of stuff so zaleka has done quite a bit of study on african sexuality uh some of the cool ideas behind oceanality which is not these are ideas that don't exist in our american world or really our western world so first of all the thought of the vagina in sex is that the vagina is engulfing the penis and it puts the male in a subordinate position because eating provides nourishment to the eater. So the vagina is like taking from the cock. Oh, instead of in our language, our culture, we have things like tear it up, hit that, smash it. Even for gay men, like bottoming. Mm -hmm. So the word vagina roughly translates to a sword holder. Uh, which is in Latin, which is a really gross concept. Like your pussy is a sword holder. Like a sheath. Yeah, a sheath. Exactly. It's where I put my dick. So that's the gross like patriarchal idea where you flip it and you're like, no, my vagina is gaining strength and nourishment from your dick. Uh, Oceanality also states that genitals come in many colors and shapes and sizes. And of course, culture determines what's normal and desirable. But... When we talk about, and this is one that might touch on something for you. So when we talk about genital circumcision, surgery, 
uh, there are many cultural practices in cultures past in African sexuality where people were altering their genitals either by shaving their hair, cutting their hair, or cutting their skin. Some women elongated their labia with weights. Uh, others would remove the clitoris. And these were considered rites of passage to increase pleasure and to allow them ownership of how they view their body. So if in your culture, enlarged labia is beautiful or no clitoris is beautiful, I mean, what's the difference between people these days like piercing their kids' ears? I mean, of course, you should always allow the child to consent. But these ideas we have around culture where we're like, oh, it's inherently torture. In some cultures, this is very important and a time of coming of age for people. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see if there were some sort of alterations being made, like the the one with the pulling on weights. Um, sounds like it's less uh, damaging, but if it comes to things like pleasure, then I don't see how the removal of the clitoris would benefit that. So according to Dr. Zaleka Sumitra Hepworth-Clark's research, in some cultures, the clitoris is viewed as a phallus. So in removing the clitoris, it's a rite of passage for women to remove it before womanhood. And in some parts of the world and in these cultures, pain is associated with wisdom and knowledge. I wish that were true <laughs> because I would be the smartest motherfucker alive. <laughs> so uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's worth hearing these ideas and how people think just incredibly differently than how we do. Yeah. But again, check out... Uh, Dr. Zaleka, Z-E-L-A-I-K-A, Sumitra, S-U-M-I-T-R-A, Hepworth, Clark. Uh, the purpose of her research has been to increase sexual multi-epistemic literacy, increase awareness, and cultural influences of sex, sexuality, and to learn narratives of non-phallocentric sex. So check them out. Did you know that in Orthodox Jewish practices, there's a marriage agreement posted in the dining room of the family, and part of the marriage agreement says that the husband must give his wife sexual pleasure. I bet that makes Thanksgiving dinner interesting. <laughs> Just pull that up during an argument. Uh, oh, this turkey's a bit undercooked. Oh, well... Uh, you didn't make me come last night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> God, I can't believe I just said that. I would never say that. It's not someone's job to make you come. Although it is their responsibility to try if you care about each other. <laughs> um, I encourage listeners to think about what their matriarchy would look like in a way where we're not just treating men like chattel because then what's the point? You know, that's not equality. It'd be fun for a couple of years. Oh my God. <laughs> See, so many of the men in my life hate <laughs> men more than I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Straight men are people too. Mm, there's a... <laughs> There's a quote from Christopher Ryan who wrote Sex at Dawn, and I also was a guest on his podcast uh, in 2015, tangentially speaking, with Christopher Ryan. So he said in Sex at Dawn that societies in which women's status is equal to or greater than men's tends to be characterized by less conflict, greater social harmony, and higher levels of sexual interaction. No shit, because if you feel comfortable and trust your person who's touching you, you will enjoy it more. Yeah. Ta-da, the more you know. And especially if more knowledge around sex is being passed down without it being inherently stigmatized. Mm-hmm. I could see that in a matriarchal society. Mm-hmm. My matriarchy means that 
I get to flip gender roles when it's fun and consensual and I get to lean into them when it's fun and consensual. Like, baby, can you mow the lawn for me? Please. <laughs> you know, that's how that's how we do kink play basically around this house is like me doing gender role play. That's awesome. Where I'm like, oh, I'm just delicate and I just don't want to get the lawnmower out. Come on, please, babe. Can you fix this light for me? I'll make dinner. I'll make you a sandwich. Like that's how I do kinky stuff. <laughs> God. See, that shit doesn't work with gay guys. Uh, I just go, you came on my face this morning. Go do the dishes. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But who does the dishes in your house? Uh, both of us. Oh, OK. Yeah. So let's do some. Unsolicited letters. <laughs> oh, shit. I really that document. Um, can you read this one to me, John? Because I would love to read this one to you, Al. I get a lot of hate mail. Um, you know, part of the I want to preface this by saying part of the the challenge you'll come up when you've been someone who's learning through blogging writing and speaking on the internet for 13 or 15 years is sometimes as a white person you say ignorant shit the bullying in this community is wild but here's an unsolicited letter that i got um regarding having consulted for an episode of the hulu series shrill uh, featuring and about well not featuring but about lindy west who is a fat woman writer. And so in this show, uh, in Shrill, the person playing her goes to a strip club to write about the food for a food blogging uh, for her job. And she has this life-changing conversation with these strippers where they're like, no, it's your body, own it, charge people to see it, you know, or spend time with you. So my role in consulting for that scene was to make sure, number one, that at least somebody tipped the strippers. I was like, somebody needs to get tipped. You need someone doing poll work. And also let me tweak your script a little. Okay. So um, when I saw the scene, I was like, overall, pretty happy with it. But there were some things I would have done differently. However, I was not in charge of direction, production, costuming, casting, any of that shit. Wait, you weren't? No, I know. Wow. I didn't even get an IMDb credit. <laughs> Wow. Oh, I know. Anyway, so here here is an unsolicited letter in regards to that. You are a rabid racist whose disdain for people who aren't exactly like you is obvious. Your scene in Shrill fucking sucked and featured a totally unnecessary magical black girl teaches white girl moment. But how hard is it to teach cis women to tip? You're not even fucking good at the thing you do. See yourself out of the movement before you are forcibly excised. I also paid for a Hulu membership. <laughs> <laughs> that last part I added in. <laughs> oh, you gave them your money anyway. So this came from another white lady. Um, I don't know where the racism stuff exactly comes in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about that. Uh, but I am a rabid racist. And I hope all of my work speaks for that. Um, <laughs> Someone's going to like cut that out. I hope and so. And just like play it on loop on speaker. And I be hope like, so. She said it. She said it. She I said it. So. I hope so. What play in reality, Ella is the total opposite. Well, I mean, again, part of being a white person is saying ignorant shit sometimes, but a rabid racist seems a bit over the top. And once you have a large audience, people will often... Um, capitalize on uh on literally anything and often nothing um in order to grow their own audience oh man i got exes of exes of exes coming out of the woodwork accusing me of things and i'm like girl 
I met you once. That never happened. What's wrong with you? Yeah, people are wild. So uh, we like doing our hate mail section. It's not always hate mail, though. Unsolicited letters sometimes can be beautiful. But that was a peek into my inbox. And you get good ones, too, John. So yeah, we'll be I, sure to roll out some of yours. I'll definitely be sharing some of those in uh, future episodes. Thank you. Let's take a break. We know that masturbation is one of the healthiest ways we can remind ourselves that we are worthy and capable of pleasure, which is why I'm excited to tell you about Unbound, a women-founded and run startup dedicated to making design-centric vibrators that are body safe and affordable starting at $18. You'll get 10% off your order of $35 or more at unboundbabes.com with the code STRANGEBEDFELLOWS. Visit Unbound Babes to view their full line of pleasure products. Are you a Portland area sex worker seeking a judgment-free therapy provider? Margaret King is a trauma-informed and sex-positive mental health counselor serving kinky and swerking peoples in the Portland metro area. Attunement Psychotherapy offers clients a variety of creative interventions to assist in their sharing process, including transpersonal perspectives, somatic awareness, art making, and dream work. Contact attunementpsychotherapy.com or call 971-271-0633 to learn more about scheduling an appointment in her Southeast office. Designed by Dallas Dominatrix mistress Petra Hunter, the Sissy Kit provides all-inclusive training packages designed exclusively for sissies. Whether you're a beginner sissy or a full-blown sissy slut, these kits are perfect for those of you looking to spice up your play. The kits are a great fit for those new to the lifestyle or those too nervous to visit a dominatrix. Kits are shipped worldwide with flat rate shipping and purchases are billed and shipped discreetly. To get started, visit thesissykit.com. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangebedfellows or on Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. Nice. Ooh, here's a listener question. Let's do listener questions. I'm a male and I was interested in doing some cam work, but I'm unfamiliar with the scene. Is there a market for males on cam? <laughs> mm, when i saw this i was like john's gonna have some feelings about this um yes and no uh so you gave a full pretty full rundown of your experience in cam on our patreon it's a bonus clip yeah so people can go and listen to that if they want but for this person is there so a market <laughs> i will give you a little bit of my history before i give you my answer so i have done camming mainly on the platform Chatterbait. Uh, I have also cammed on CamSoda, but not as a model, only as a uh, sign up which is basically means that anyone can sign up and cam, whereas they also have models who are paid. Elle is one of them. Oh yeah, I'll do features for them randomly. Yes. Um, but so the main platform I used was Chatterbait. And the male scene on Chatterbait is not as large as the female scene on Chatterbait. And I genuinely believe just by looking at the viewer numbers and follower counts that it's a much smaller audience. However, uh, if you grow yourself and grow your audience and have something different about you, something unique 
or if you are doing a couples video. So if you have another person who has signed in the, the Chatterbait contract and uh, is camming with you, but then you got to split the money. Garner a lot of views. You do have to split mm. the money. Yeah, unless you, uh, I don't know, have some sort of agreement or in a relationship where you're splitting the money anyway. But uh, point being, Chatterbait definitely does have the ability to get you money if you know how to build an audience, but you have to invest large amounts of time. Um, you have to invest a large amount of energy and effort that most people are not willing to put into because you aren't going to grow an audience initially just by camming for an hour a day. Uh, whereas the most successful people can go on there, log in for an hour and make several hundred dollars. But that is a very, very small fraction of the people. Uh, most of the people on Chatterbait who are males are basically having to work for free um, or work with very specific goals. Uh, an example is a come goal, which is when generally a camera will put oh, this requires 500 tokens for me to do the first step towards coming, which would be, say, uh, getting naked. So at 500 tokens, I'll get naked. And once I hit 1,000 tokens, I'll begin getting myself hard. And at around 1,500 tokens, I'll begin masturbating. And at 2,000 tokens, I will come for you. And they also have the options for private shows, which are another way to make money. And Chatterbait also has the interesting feature of being able to spy on a private show if you pay money for that, hmm. which is interesting. Hmm. Um, so that's one of their features. I would recommend that if you do go into camming, that you use a platform uh, like Chatterbait to, begil to begin growing your audience. Uh, if you do not find any other alternatives, um, just because of the amount of volume that there is on Chatterbait. You can be a newcomer and build an audience. Uh, I did it for a week and a half and I hit 257 followers, hmm. uh, which for Chatterbait is pretty good, um, like considering in that, in that amount of time. Um, the thing you don't wanna do is what I did afterwards, which was to continue to do six, seven, eight, I think I once did a nine-hour-long session. Yeah, I don't know you do how I really, did it. I thought it was 10, it, honestly. It was like nine or 10 hours <sighs> long of me sitting in front of the camera naked and basically waiting for people to pop in. And eventually, the more people pop in, it's the same way that the more people stand in line in front of a store or in front of like a booth somewhere, the more people are interested, right? So they'll see the number of viewers in a certain room and they'll say, hey, if there's a lot of viewers in that room, I wanna join that too. So what you do is you begin building your audience and your views and you hope that you get follows. The more follows you have, the more regular consistency you'll have with people coming back to tip you if they do tip you, but at least you, you're garnering viewers, which is what you want. Yeah, it's a process. It's a hustle and it's a process. So yeah. there is an audience, but it's gonna be a lot smaller and everything is, I mean, it's, the industry is so fucking saturated. Yeah, it's it's highly saturated. You can click through dozens and dozens and dozens of pages of chatterbait mails um, who have very few views. Uh, uh, but the successful ones do tend to hit like uh, a thousand viewers. Uh, and But I have spoken with a successful chatterbaiter 
who told me personally that he has had at one time 1,200 viewers watching for an entire hour without getting tipped. Which is, he said that was rarer for him, but it has happened. Which means that you are giving an hour of your labor to a thousand two hundred people who are all watching and pleasuring themselves, presumably, uh, to you. And you are basically giving away what you do as work for free. Mm -hmm. uh, In the bets, in the hopes that someone will tip Mm -hmm. you. Um, And then the campsite takes a percentage. So, And of course, the campsite takes a percentage. So when you cash out your tokens, uh, you do uh, lose a certain amount Mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm looking up webcam for men. (laughs) Free straight men cams. Have you ever fantasized about having fun on webcam with a straight guy? (laughs) Yeah. So there are actually... uh, I would say quite a bit of straight guys on Chatterbait. However, uh, they do have the option of selecting blocking by gender people who, so they can't block uh, anonymous guests. Uh, So there are two types of people on Chatterbait who will watch you. There are members of Chatterbait and there are anonymous guests. So say someone just clicks, they open Google Chrome, they type in Chatterbait, they click uh, your your stream. They're watching, they're anonymous. They aren't able to tip until they become a Chatterbait mm, member. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like effort for them. They have to go get their card yeah. and like enter it. And like, I don't do that. People yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah, people just want to jack off and, and get out of there. Yeah. So that's generally what will happen. However, there are those who are members and they can block males or females, choosing depending on what you want. And they can also block by state, region, um, uh, who is watching them. And the straight guys will generally try to initially cater to a female audience. And once I, this is my personal wild guess, once they find out that uh, there are far few females, um, far fewer females who wish to pay them money to watch the masturbate than there are gay males, mm-hmm. uh, they tend to solo uh, chatterbait and um, just masturbate themselves t- until they come uh, generally to a pretty hefty uh, tipping percentage if if they're straight passing, uh, especially if they have uh, larger penises. So, so wait, so a bigger cocked straight passing guy ends up jerking off even though probably mostly gay men are watching? Yes. Okay, cool. Just making and, sure I got that. <laughs> and, uh, and that can definitely happen. Uh, you, you'll see it like on the very top of the the chatterbait page. So like the highest viewers are generally solo guys. Uh, however, there are exceptions to this. Uh, couples will get quite a bit of tokens, even if they don't always hit the highest viewer counts. Uh, and that is generally because you can ask them to perform actions on each other through a tip menu. Uh, so you could say, I want you to do this to the other person, and that's going to cost you mm-hmm. 50 tokens. Mm-hmm. I will suck his dick for 500 tokens. I will fuck him for 1,000. So I think, like uh, I think you just got the best consultation you'll get for that question, guy. <laughs> that was, yeah. There's quite a bit there, I know. You could talk about that forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. So if that answers your question, guy, yeah, guess what? It's hard fucking work. Yeah, it's exhaustive, uh, but if you're willing to put in the work and if you're willing to take at least three months to build an audience, uh, <laughs> you will get regulars. You will get occasionally um, what I call whales, which are like the people who come in and just tip a lot and then leave. Um, 
And uh, you can also try to make yourself a niche audience through like what you do or who you are and how you present. We have to move on. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot to it is the point. There's a lot to it. Yeah. Um, All right. Next question. I come from a background of abuse. In every relationship, I've been the one to initiate sex. My current relationship feels like my soulmate, but she has been shunned when she has initiated it in past relationships. Now, she doesn't feel comfortable initiating with me. I feel like making love to her all the time and I can never get enough. I feel bad when she isn't in the mood, like that she doesn't find me attractive or I'm doing something wrong. I've asked what it is and she said it's not that. I'm thinking of getting a counselor. It's killing my confidence and I don't want to be a nuisance to the love of my life. All right, there's a few things here that are bugging me about this question. Um, so off, off, uh, off recording earlier, John, I paraphrased something that I had heard or that I had read in a book, uh, and God darn it. I can't, God darn it. Gosh, damn it. I can't remember which book it was, but it was saying something like being excited about a person gives the illusion that we are in an intimate relationship with them. Yeah. So what's happening here is he's very excited about having sex with this person, but he's not very excited about not taking it personally when she doesn't want to. And now he's taking it personally because that's what people do. So when she was, quote, shunned when initiating it for whatever reasons, whatever reasons, now she's internalized it. And now what he's doing is internalizing it. And what you need to do is understand that people with abuse in their backgrounds have many, many reasons that they say no to things. And it isn't always personal. Um... What do you think? Uh, I agree with you completely. I think that um, if you feel bad when she isn't in the mood, then maybe you need to reevaluate, I would say, also the relationship because it doesn't sound like you're paying attention to her needs. Uh, I would communicate more. Um, Getting a counselor might be helpful, but before talking to a counselor, maybe talk to her uh and ask her if possible without you know necessarily asking about her past but asking in the moment what you can do um better or if there is something that you're doing wrong have um, well but that even he doesn't even sound like he's in a place to receive that to hear that information if he's doing something wrong yeah that's true what about a silly little like how we talked about safe words before um, you said no homo is what you will use as your safe word. Yes. You know, so and it's a nice Ironically, way to... no homo is my, my safe word with my boyfriend. But it lightens things up, you know, and I know couples that will also have um, code or keywords for navigating their trauma and their sex lives. So if somebody, if, if, if B initiates and I say, hey, babe, I'm feeling kind of yellow. That's like maybe like I'm on the fence, you know. Or if I'm like, hey, babe, I'm feeling kind of red today. That means no. Yeah. You know, and that's just that I don't even have to explain. I like that. I like that color system. Good. Yeah. Green, yellow, red. It's, you know, for anybody who drives or (laughs) sees traffic signals. But that was one that I think has been, it's been suggested by a bunch of people. But Stella Harris and her book, Tongue Tied, uh, Communication, Kink, Sex book. It's great. Look up Tongue Tied by Stella Harris. She was our guest uh, season one last year. But she has a lot of helpful tools for bringing up the concrete issues in a very non-judgmental, non-confrontational way. Um, I also suggest for for this guy about this relationship. So 
you have a higher libido, you have a higher spontaneous libido than your partner, which is also really common. Cis men tend to have higher spontaneous um, arousal. Cis women tend to have um, contextual arousal, which means there needs to be fantasy or story or anticipation. Or lots of money. <laughs> Sorry, that was just me. That was me. I that, don't even know if they can hear you. <laughs> so I said lots of money. So if you see her and you're like, oh my God, my beautiful girlfriend, I'm so excited by it, and I pop a boner and she's not turned on because guess what? She's a beautiful woman or whatever. She's had guys popping boners and being interested in her all the time. So a man being interested in me is not necessarily going to turn me on because a man being interested in me freaks me the fuck out a lot of times because it's unwanted. So what I would suggest this person do is to either talk with or find for himself a way that he can mitigate his arousal. If it's time to go jerk off, go jerk off. Leave her alone. And maybe one more thing you can do as well is pay attention to the times that she is receptive and pay attention to what you're doing and maybe repeat that behavior and see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, then jerk yourself off. Yeah. <laughs> but if it does stick, then you can kind of tell what you're doing right. Mm -hmm. And you can try to recreate that in different ways um, and recreate that situation for mm -hmm. yourself and for her. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, you can't, it, I understand feeling bad. That's, that's how we are raised. We are raised that sex is how people show love for each other. No, it's not. <laughs> sex is a way that people can show love for each other but it's ultimately about pleasure and feeling good yeah it's just another tool in the toolkit yeah so build your toolkit and check out those uh that book recommendation all right let's take a break have you ever wanted to make a replica of your favorite penis or vulva clone a willy and clone a pussy allow anyone to make an exact replica of a penis or vulva into a functioning sex toy at home these DIY molding kits are ethically sourced and hand-assembled in Portland, Oregon, and all materials are 100% body safe. Follow Clone -a -Willy on social media at Kit on Instagram and Clone -a -Willy on Twitter. Use promo code SBPDX for 20% off clonawilly.com. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your weekend shift at 3am on Saturdays and 4am on Sundays. These special Sin Yin classes are meant to help you wind down and improve overall health. Need a little motivation? Your first Sin Yin class is free and they offer 15% on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and to check out other industry-friendly class times. The Institute for Sex Education and Enlightenment offers online and live training and certification for sex education and sex therapy. If you've ever dreamed of becoming a certified sex educator or a therapist prepared for clients with sexuality concerns, IC will give you the training and the credentials you need with classes online and right in Portland. Visit instituteforsexuality.com and use the code STRANGEBEDFELLOWS to get $10 off of your first webinar or class, or email info at instituteforsexuality.com to ask about our certification programs. 
Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name is Elle. I'm a sex worker and an educator and a parent and a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, it depends who you ask. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say. So before we jump into news and social media stuff, uh, a week ago, I started sexting B. Uh, he works a very physically and I guess, yeah, pretty intellectually, but mostly just a lot of physical grunt work and he's had a really rough week and he was burnt out and I started sexting him and I kind of like as I was initiating I thought like I don't know if he's gonna have enough energy for this but you know ever ever the uh the cheerleader for keeping things fresh and the spark alive I'm like well let's see I'm gonna initiate a little bit of maybe some some pleasure some distraction fantasy and he texts me back he's like I'm sorry babe but I just can't today and I had a little pang of like oh Oh, the rejection. And then I thought, wait, be a, be an adult about this. Like he's he's not he's he can't be aroused right now. He's too stressed out. I know this. Yeah. And fatigue can also kill libido. Yeah. And honestly, I was kind of tired, too. So part of me was like, oh, I'm rejected. And then I thought, no, I'm not. This is healthy. And I'm experiencing this as well. I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not the time and the place. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about more consent stuff. Ooh. Um, I've never looked at religionnews.com and I was kind of like pleasantly surprised by this article. Uh, reinventing religion. Millennials rewrite the rules of relationships filed under religion remixed it's by Tara Isabella Burton. So she actually references Tristan Taramino, a uh, sex educator, writer Tristan Taramino, she starts out by considering yourself on a spiritual path we can all get on board when Tristan Taramino invites us to enter a, quote, sacred space where we feel safe enough to try new things, push our boundaries, flirt with edges, and conquer fears. So she's talking about kink, and she's talking about Tristan Taramino, and the writer covering this is talking about the consent and the communication necessary for kink play. She says that up to 40% of Americans consider themselves kinky, uh, according to a study by sex toy company Eden. And she actually, this article mentions Portland, Oregon, uh, where a full 4% of inhabitants are members of the kink social networking site FetLife. I can attest to this, not because I am part of FetLife, but because a sex therapist I went to... Told you to my, get on it. Uh, no, actually, it's even better than that. Um... Uh, one of the people I used to be friends with um, w was like, oh, that sex therapist? Yeah, I hit on her on FetLife. And I was like, she's small on, world. She's on FetLife? <laughs> yeah, she's totally on FetLife. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I tried to get on FetLife and they were full. Anyway, um, <laughs> so this, uh, this article I thought was pretty cool because it's coming from a religious background perspective where they're discussing ethical monogamy uh, kink. And it says that people participating can gain a wider sense of identity beyond cultural expectations of marriage house kids. They talk about power exchange between men and women. They talk about polyamory. So they even mention the ethical slut in here, Dossie Eaton. So they even mention the ethical slut in here by Dossie and Janet. 
Uh, They're a lot more nuanced than I would have expected for religiousnews.com. Not to pass judgment on all religious people, but generally religion has been pretty fucking shitty about sex. So Yeah, it seems like they... I'm looking at the clickbait stuff on the bottom. It says Mormon fasting, Easter in Sri Lanka, uh, rest in peace, somebody died. So it seems like it's all kinds of religions. I am not really familiar. Uh, the reason I brought this up is because I just thought this was a really cool shift to witness. And I've never seen something like this before. So if we can really get all the hip Christians, I know that if you listen to the show, you probably are not a Christian because you're like, I don't want to listen to atheists talk shit about me all the time. <laughs> uh, this is cool. maybe you do and that's your kink. Or maybe you do. Yeah, but that's not something I expected to see. And I think that'd be great if we could get more hip Christians, uh, you know, talking about their sexuality in whatever ways they feel comfortable. Because that will guide more conservative religious people away or at least take some of the power from them. So... Al, what's what's your take at the the last paragraph of the article? Because it says, free love experiments have had a poor track record in American history from John Henry Noyes Oneida cult onward. But it's impossible to understand today's sexual revolution without seeing it as a, a part of a broader picture, not just in our societal lack of faith in God or our churches, but in our increased faith in ourselves. And I found that to be ambivalent, and I'm not sure if the article writer is advocating or moving away from sex positivity. What, what's your take on that? Um, I think, and this is only because I was in a Chinese restaurant a month ago, and I heard a family of, oh my God, what were they? Were they Methodists? I don't remember. But there was a family um, having a big dinner, and one of them is a church leader, and I knew that because I could overhear their conversation. And they were talking about trouble they're having in the church, and the other person at the table says, oh, what kind of trouble? And they're like, well, same old. We're having a hard time keeping uh, membership up. Uh, so I think that's a big part of it. I yeah. think that, you know, obviously people are, are moving into less conservative ideals and that's taking away participants from the longstanding conservative organizations. So they're trying to get cool. And whether it's pandering or not, I'm happy for the visibility. <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> thought that the article was a lot more nuanced than, than I expected it to be when I began reading it. Uh, and it turned out to be a lot more. It, it definitely portrayed uh, a couple things a little bit like she got one thing wrong where she uh, she said that when she talks about the plain vanilla model of heterosexual monogamous sex, first mm. of all, I don't think that heterosexual sex counts as vanilla sex. Um, what do you I, mean? Just like inherently? Yeah, inherently. I, I, I think that's... Oh, I think it is. I mean... Kissing vanilla in the sense that pussy like, licking, blowjob, penis oh, and vagina. Well, he that definitely. But what I'm saying is that the idea that heterosexuality would be vanilla. Oh, yeah. That's a shitty idea. That's silly. Uh, which I just thought would, yeah, was a little confusing. Could just be confusing writing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of heterosexual sex is very, very Although vanilla. Although that, yes. Yeah, I do agree. Is, yeah. Uh, There's like a script, basically. I mean, that's why people call it foreplay. People still refer to bases. Like, I got to first base or second base. You know, like kissing, boob touching, pussy penis and vagina news announcement women are not football fields oh it's baseball baseball 
<laughs> I'm gay. We're leaving that Don't in. Don't call me out like that. <laughs> uh, sports ball. Um, <laughs> it's the one with the balls, okay? Yeah, it's the one with the balls. You'd think I'd know it better. I, I love balls. You do love... I love balls, I love too. Balls. I love balls. I love balls in my mouth. Okay, I, we're it, getting off track. Now. It depends. <laughs> it depends on the balls, but sometimes I love them in my mouth. Um, so alternately, while we're talking about consent and things getting better... Um, the Daily Beast has a piece and the title is Military Sex Assaults Skyrocket by 38% Over Two Years. Um, okay, so it says reports of sex assaults in the U.S. military jumped by nearly 38% from 2016 to 2018 with about 20,500 allegations of unwanted sexual contact last year. Uh, the numbers were set to be released recently by the Pentagon and it surveyed the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine personnel. The last survey was recorded in 2016. It said 14,900 were recorded. Female troops between the ages of 17 to 24 were highest risk. I didn't know that you could actually be in an armed force when you were 17. Yeah. It, okay. All right. No, you, you, you can't vote, but you can die, you know, die sure. for your country. Sounds good. Uh, you can't drink alcohol either um, or buy marijuana. Or be a sex worker, <laughs> yeah. or wear your hair wear your hair naturally if you're a black woman. Um, so, I have two theories for this, real quick. I think in the last two years, a Trump administration has put people at odds with each other in a way that we haven't seen like as much. It's like right after Trump got elected, I know that my peers experienced more harassment. When I say my peers, I mean like women and sex workers. But I know that like trans friends and people of color friends were like, I get harassed more on the street. You know, yeah. I get attacked more like because people who hold these shitty patriarchal rapey viewpoints are emboldened by our shitty patriarchal rapey leader. And that gives permission to those others to do that. Yeah. It, it's systemic power. Yeah. You're like, well this attitude's on my side so i have a question for you do you think that there's a possibility that more women are are feeling more confident in coming forward or is it that it's a combination of both maybe i think it's a combination of both i think with the me too movement i think there's a lot of people who are reporting where they're like you know what that was unwanted like i am gonna report this yeah so when i saw this i kind of <laughs> again laughing at rape uh uh, I, I chuckled because I'm like, ah, I'm not surprised, but I don't think this means necessarily that unwanted sexual contact went up 38%. It probably went up, but I do believe, yeah, it's being reported. And of more. course, keep in mind, listeners, that we're talking about reported cases. So Right. Reported. So statistics are only as good as the information that's given. And most people, I mean, I never reported any of my sexual assaults. I just, I've never reported anything. No, we just I talk about them on the podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a sex worker call the cops when she was robbed. And also imagine the terrifying position that that must put women in the military in because uh, military courts are actually what decide what happens to mm -hmm. the accused and the accuser. And you can actually be uh, imprisoned or disabled honorably discharged for what is considered a false claim mm -hmm. uh, if that turns out to be the decision of the tribunal mm -hmm. so and if you're accusing your superior which is a lot of times the case the superior has access to all the underlings and the power to not get in trouble yeah yeah and now we have uh, the commander-in-chief the commander-in-pussy-grabber uh, as know. 
head of the armed forces. So, <laughs> so that it, tells you a lot about what's uh, what's currently going on. I was having a conversation with someone. Uh, Joe Biden just threw his hat into the into the running ring, and some of us know that massage man, massage man. So Joe Biden. Oh, God, so disappointed, but not surprised. He had some reports (laughs) of women of unwanted touching, uh, sniffing their hair. So I've had that. I've had guys lean and sniff my hair and I caught them doing it. I'm sure it's happened when I didn't catch them too. But uh, but someone was like, well, you know, Trump and Biden are basically very similar because they are a bitch to corporate interests and also they're you know sexual assaulting creeps and i said i would rather have a hair sniffer than a pussy grabber in office like quite honestly there's tears of sexual assault i mean if we're ranking them then yes yes absolutely give me a biden please yeah um but yeah get a shoulder rub out of it oh my back (laughs) is bothering me though (laughs) that's a horrible joke that's like that lady who was like trump can grab my pussy any day god there are t-shirts i know that like people have not only had the idea to make those t-shirts but there are humans that buy them and that uh. women that buy them uh yeah Yeah. so to clarify no if joe i don't care who you are i don't give a shit if you're the most famous wealthy person in the world well wealthy scares me but if you're famous i don't care i still don't want joe biden or anybody else putting their hands on me or sniffing my hair yeah however yeah give me a biden over a trump please um last thing so we joke about this a lot (laughs) more gallows humor here uh nearly 300 ballot counters have died of exhaustion following the world's biggest election speaking of elections uh this is from qz.com quartz this is written by georgia francis king april 28th of 2019 so the world's biggest ever single day election oh i'm sorry it took place in indonesia so this was in indonesia they have how many people do they have 192 million eligible citizens to vote. 80% of this population voted. So about 150 million ballots need to be counted. Um, Also, so they have five different ballots. There was a few different elections. So that's up to 750 million ballots that need to be counted by hand. So working yourself to death, literally, they had reported... 272 election staff collapsed from fatigue-related illness in the 10 days following the vote. An additional 1,800 were ill. Uh, These people had been manually counting the paper ballots. Um, So working yourself to death is a scarily common occurrence in the world. John, (laughs) you have bad hours sometimes. (laughs) Uh, In 2013 in Indonesia, so same country, this piece says an advertising copywriter slipped into a coma and died hours after tweeting 30 hours of work and still going strong. Wow. That's terrible. Uh, 21-year-old <laughs> really bank. Really? Only 30 hours? I played Destiny 1 when it came out for 48 hours straight. Not kidding with my best friend. 48 oh. hours straight. Coffee and Adderall, ladies and gentlemen. Don't do it. Oh, my God. How old were you? Hmm? Oh, I was like 15. Okay. Yeah, fifteen-year-olds have like nine lives, though. There's shit you can do when you're fifteen. I used 15. up three. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't do a lot of shit after the age yeah. of like twenty. And to be fair, it was also just sitting there stationary. So I imagine these ballot counters had to like you know constantly be moving and shuffling yeah. stuff around, could be hot boxes and mm-hmm. yeah. So there's some other instances in here. A 21-year-old Bank of America intern had a seizure after working 72 hours straight. This was in London that same year in 2013. 
A uh, 31-year-old journalist in Tokyo had heart failure in her bed, still clutching her mobile phone after working 159 hours of overtime in a single month. We should send this to Jen and tell her to chill. She works too hard. She does work too hard. <laughs> so Japan, uh, they have a word for it, overwork death, Kuroshi. Which is actually also a video game. If you type in Kuroshi into Google, you can play a tiny uh, Japanese businessman and you have to find different ways to kill him. by No over- way. This is not a joke. What? Yeah. It's an online game. Oh, my yep. God. Yep. That's terrible. So I added this in here uh, in this episode because we suffer so much under capitalism. Yes. But like seriously, check in with your body because a lot of us take pride in how much we can work and how little we can sleep. Um, I'm formerly guilty of that. Knock it off, people. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to die in your office doing your shitty work that you hate because you have so much tension. Stop it. Hopefully you're not. You're just going to listen to this podcast and it's going to chill you out while we talk about rape and stuff. God. <laughs> I know. Elle's getting dark. I'm like trying to cultivate more haters. Just yeah. get all those little sound bites. So hopefully in this episode, we presented you with some new and interesting ideas. If you have suggestions for upcoming episodes, write to us, pillowtalk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. What is it, John? You look like you had a thought. I just, I want to go back to the Indonesia thing. Uh, The last paragraph of that article. (laughs) Oh, God. I already closed it. (laughs) This is dark. Um, Apparently, uh, one of the politicians is alleging voter fraud. And if his claims stick, then the entire country might be forced to recount by hand. (laughs) My god what a dick oh my god this is so awful like how amazing is it that up to 80 percent of a of a country voted though yeah what is what is the american turnout is like 30 percent i don't even know it's pretty low yeah we'll find that out all right so until next time until next time thank you for listening to strange bedfellows podcast To find behind-the-scenes photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, type www.patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only $1. Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L. Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillowtalk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.